Hey, jibbers and jabbers, it's J-Mac here. This is just for you audio listeners. Thank you very much for listening to us as long as you have. We much appreciate it and we hope you're still enjoying it. But we would love it if you would go and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you love what you hear, you'll love what you see. Get over there now, click on subscribe to keep up to date. Thank you. Hey, hey, welcome everybody back to Jibber Jabber Podcast. It is Sunday night and we have a, like, if I if I could have gone back in time and told myself while watching The Gate as a child that one day I'll get to speak to the director, um, I probably I probably would have thought it'd be in one of those weird vending machine moments where you're trying to get past to get a packet of crisps. But to have him on the show is just, it's something else, J-Mac. And before we even tell you a little story about how we got him on the show, I just I just literally, <laughs> we just discovered there that J-Mac didn't even tell him like it was a visual show. He thought it was like one of those podcasts, man. And that that's yeah, uh, <laughs> those old fashioned things that we're still called Jibber Jabber Podcast. What do you want me to do? <laughs> it's, it's a podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, bef- before we get before we bring Tabor on, we really need to we really need to t- talk about the story as to how you and Tabor connected. Because I'm sitting there on the couch, right? We're talking about <laughs> how amazing this movie is, and yep. it's a big part of our childhoods, right? Uh, it's a a movie that we've spoke about many many times on this show and i don't think we ever thought we'd ever have tibor on but we were sitting talking about it i'd been watching it on blu-ray showing my wife the trailer and you were actually watching it at the exact same time talk about serendipity but that was so strange that you were actually yeah and i actually i I text you saying that uh, just so you know i've just reached out to the director of the gate and you sent me a screenshot of you watching it i was like okay this is this is serendipitous right this is what's the chances and then, and then, <laughs> and then uh, what? Yeah, then some stuff happened. Uh, basically, um, I tried to call uh, using uh, a certain app because uh, I managed to find him on there. I tried to call him and it just said, you cannot call this person. I was like, oh, oh, well. And then I got a text back saying, call again. I was like, oh, my God. So he, he wants to talk to me. This is cool. And then you're like, do it, man, do it. So I did it. I called in and he's, he's like, so, hey, how you doing? Um, my name's J-Mike. I've got a podcast, blah, blah, blah. And he, he said, hey, hi, uh, that's cool. Um, why, why do you have Ron Perlman's picture <laughs> as your profile? And I said, well, apparently I look like him. And he's like, oh, it's just that I'm friends with Ron. I thought it might have been him. I was like, oh, man. I said, listen, I will hang up the phone right now if, if, if you feel like I've tricked you into taking this call. But he was so gracious and so kind to actually give me, give me his time. Uh, a few nights ago and and we're really happy to have him on i, I can't wait to have the, the conversation absolutely absolutely when you told me that i actually was barely laughing for so long i was like what is the chances <laughs> what's the chances that he actually answered your call but to think that you were actually ron perlman's hilarious but i do see the the striking resemblance but um i can't but everybody else can so i just <laughs> went with it <laughs> yeah well i'm actually so excited and i can't wait to just have him on so what we're gonna do, i'm gonna play the trailer quickly to the gate so you guys anybody that hasn't seen the gate you need to check it out it was on amazon prime i don't think it is now but you can get the blu-ray off ebay so make sure you get the gate uh, i'm gonna play the trailer here and then we're gonna bring t on okay 
There is a passageway to the most evil place you can imagine. A gate behind which the demons wait to take back what was once theirs. And now, someone has opened the gate. This is weird, tearing sound. Decomposed corpse of her dead father. Oh no. He's tearing out hair by the hands. I'm calling the police. You got demons. Takes me back, ladies and gentlemen. Tibor Takas. Hi. Hey. Hey. hey, hey. Oh, how was it for you there? Just watching that trailer back after so many uh, years. You know, I, it always. Uh, you know, I always have a place in my heart for that, and you know, and I appreciate all this attention it's getting lately. <laughs> and uh, oh, you know, uh, it. it's all good. It's all good memories. It's like the good old days. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, for us, like. You know, when you talk to a friend that has similar movie tastes, like this is how we started the podcast, was we basically both love movies. And we always talk about a lot of our favorites. And The Gate, for for how long, even before we started the podcast, The Gate was one of those. It's like, and you know what's funny? Like, growing up, I'd spoke a lot about The Gate to a lot of different friends who had never heard of it. And I'm like, how? And then, <laughs> and then I, I think I said something like, you've been bad. And J-Mac got it straight away. And I was like, let's be friends like we totally, <laughs> it's, it's a way to bond with someone when you can quote a movie like the gate and my sister i've got a younger sister and uh she because when you're a kid and it's like it's because we were younger we were watching a horror movie it was maybe like our cousin or our brother that would put it on for us because they're a lot older than us and we would watch it and i remember it was it was quite scary when i was when i was a kid you know the face well, how, how old were you how old were you i must have been about six Oh, my God. oh, oh, oh that... <laughs> you went, you went for it with a young, <laughs> the young start. Right? Uh, I don't the think I, I was about ten or eleven the first time I seen it. I think when, well, when that's I... okay, but sixth is a bit, you know. Oh my God! Well, I had a lot of cousins. I used to spend a lot of time with my cousins, and they were all a lot older than me, so they had the VHS tapes. And I remember, I never, I never actually saw the VHS tape. It was, it was like when when you're kicking about with all your cousins and stuff it's usually you just got the cassette tape yeah and i i would watch it so i never knew the name of the movie when i was when i was a kid I actually... mm, sorry <laughs> that's, that's, normal, that's normally my job <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, yeah yes i'm i'm on the podcast it started already <laughs> <laughs> um, you gonna, so you, I have to hang up. Text, text me. Text me. <laughs> He's a busy man. We have to, we have to let go. He's a busy Absolutely. man. Um, so, so I remember loving the movie, 
And the only way I could communicate uh, to my sister about this movie is we would always say, you know that movie, which one? You've been bad. And straight away, we knew exactly what we were talking about, that quote. And uh, it was years later when I went online and I was like, right, how do I find this? A movie about a big hole open up in the garden, you've been bad. <laughs> And I, I was introduced to all these different fans of The Gate. And yeah. from there, it's just always kind of been a favorite for us. Cool. But, uh, <laughs> but you were a little young. I mean, that was not intended for your... your oh, no. <laughs> hey, I, this is all my fault. I know this. <laughs> uh, child abuse, you know? Your, uh, yeah, your those cousins. Uh, cousins were using up your innocence, actually. <laughs> your innocence. That, that's, that's actually one of the one of the questions we had for you is, is what, what age group do you think or, or do you know this was aimed at at the time you were making it? I mean, I know that over in the states it got a PG thirteen rating. Yeah, I, at that I time, yeah, yeah, at that time in in the in the UK we didn't have a rating like that. We had uh, PG, and then it jumped straight to fifteen, which is essentially an R rating over there. Um, so we didn't ha we didn't have that middle ground. I think the first movie to get that over here was Batman, which is a couple of years later. So was it aimed at 12, 13 year olds or was a little bit younger, yeah. older. Yeah, it was just uh, 11, 10, 11. The age of the kids in the movie, basically. You know, it was a kind of coming-of-age story. It's like, um, you know, growing up story. Uh, I think six is definitely too young. <laughs> uh, but, you know, uh, uh, yeah, there's, there, you know, we, we tried to trim it so that it was aimed at kids. It's a kid's story. And that's part of the sort of marketing confusion, if there was any, I mean, it was pretty successful. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe it wasn't as successful as it could have been if it was aimed ex more accurately, but could they? Was it possible to aim it more accurately? But, you know, people were thinking, oh, this is a horror movie, like like Freddy or something, or, you know, some sort of slasher. Uh -huh. uh, people who weren't that sophisticated might think that it was some sort of adult movie, you know, uh, you know. Mm. Uh, and that's kind of wrong. It was supposed to be uh, a, a, a nostalgic movie for adults and a, an exciting movie for kids. Like parents could bring their kids to a horror movie that was tame enough, more like a Grimm's fairy tale. Mm -hmm. You know, that's all. That, that, that was the aim. Heather Dow says, yep, around 10 years old when I saw this film. It's the film that made me scared to look under the bed. <laughs> I mean, I was six and I wasn't scared to look under the bed. <laughs> but see, this that's where that's where these things that's that's where your mind can play tricks on you. Cause I remember when I was five and six and what I, I used to watch Halloween all the time when I was that young. And then all of a sudden I got to seven and eight, and then I started find, finding it really scary. So I think there's a point where your your brain can't kind of compute why things are scary and then eventually it yeah. Yeah, um, and I, I think that's why you su you survived that mental mm -hmm. scarring. <laughs> well, well, I can tell you guys that when I was five, I think I saw Snow White, and I was scared shitless. You know, like <laughs> yeah, five. That, yeah, that, the the the, tr the scene with the trees and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's pretty terrifying. When uh, Pinocchio had some messed up stuff in it as well. There's yeah, there's a lot uh, of messed up stuff in the old Disney films. What cheese? Even even to this day, I remember the relief I felt when I hit the daylight outside the theater, you know? <laughs> uh, it's, it's a crazy one. I watched so, it just recently. The, yeah. the I got the Blu-ray version of it, and the picture was amazing. But, you know, and because there was nothing to compare it to back then, when I was watching it, I was watching it with another friend, 
and we both were like, it has a feel like the poltergeist and also stranger things vibe like stranger things are kind of replicating that yeah and there's yeah. a specific there is a specific feel to the way that movies were done in the 80s that that like for me when i put the gate on with just uh steven dorf riding up his his uh which got his neighborhood and he's he's coming up on his bike and he goes into his house you get a a, a sense of something that you that's missing now in horror movies or even so much horror adult kind of movies aimed at kids do, do you know what i'm talking about because like, you must have directly tried to create that like there's such a, a feeling of warmth i think i think it's called i call it i i have a name for it enchantment uh -huh. enchantment yeah. right that makes so much sense you know like I, to me that best describes this sort of idea of oh my god what the hell it's Ron Perlman. Uh, yeah. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> Why are you using J Max picture, Ron? Yeah yeah. 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 You explained what the story with that is uh, how you're using his picture on your uh, ID. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I'm going to change that. <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe you look like a, Ron, a young Ron, maybe, you know, like. There's a little slight resemblance. Anyways, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, the enchantment idea. Yeah. And I always felt that fairy tales, like, you know, when you're a kid, you're sort of uh, intrigued and scared, but interested in the, like, grim fairy tales. Mm -hmm. um, the, the idea of enchantment also kind of opens up your mind to the possibilities or introduces you to the uncanny in some way you know mm -hmm. like it, it it allows you to interpret things of this world that you might not know about uh it opens your mind that's how i feel and there's like some people say mm -hmm. that this idea of enchantment is a, a developmental necessity for children to you know have uh, emotions they're to build their emotions and become adults you this enchantment plays a part in that yeah absolutely. Uh, there's a famous that. book uh bruno bethelheim it's sort of a child psychology book i think mm. uh i think he's a french author and it might be called the need for enchantment or the chapter was called the need for enchantment and it, it explains it you know it's uh it's part of your uh, you know a child's uh, development Mm -hmm. I think Stranger Things has kind of yeah. captured that. And that's the first time that we kind of seen that since the 80s. Because you do have that in E.T., you have it in The Gate, you have it in Poltergeist. It's, it is definitely there. And it's something, it reminded me of like a Treehouse of Horror kind yeah. of episode of The Simpsons. And I, I love it. I think the, the enchantment thing you're talking about is 100% true. I mean, that's why we've got Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. Think, things, things have to be magical for you to be interested in them as a child, I think. And then eventually you kind of figure things out but i i love the fact that i mean i believed in santa claus until i was way too old man i think i believe i, I think i asked him for something last year but <laughs> I, I think I, I think i was about 10 10 when i when i stopped so i i was i soaked up the enchantment and that this this film is, is one of the one of those ones that really sticks in there as well um, what kind of movies was it for you yourself Tabor? what kind of movies did you grow up watching that, that kind of inspired you to become a filmmaker Oh boy. Um, lots of European movies because mm. my mother went to film school. 
I was lucky in that way. Mm -hmm. uh, she went to film school in the 1950s in Hungary and she had like a taste for, you know, the, uh, the new wave, the French new wave. So all through my childhood, like when I was old enough to see movies, um, that's what I was kind of raised on. So I had a, you know, a, a sort of a, um, connection to European cinema, I think, you know, Mm -hmm. uh some days uh, people would call that uh, like these days sometimes they call it slow cinema but uh <laughs> you know i i i always appreciated that and the sort of psychological kind of you know themes that were in those um and i think i kind of brought a little bit of that sensibility into what i was doing and i always do i still do you know there is some mm -hmm. odd things in uh the gate that sort of i you know when i think about it harken back to that <laughs> influence possibly but yeah. along with uh I, you know like we I'm, I'm from montreal canada which was a french city and it was more european and then we moved to ontario which is an english city um and there we lived downtown and we lived near a lot of theaters so suddenly i was, I was thrown into the 1970s kind of uh hollywood you know mm. The, uh, the the new wave of the Hollywood at the time. So that was a completely different, uh, you know, mixed in with some bad 60s uh, <laughs> comedies and things like that. But, you know, that's that's what I would say that that I had both sides, you know. Mm, that's that's pretty interesting. Um, yeah. And did you did you aspire to get into making movies? I know obviously your mother was was in that world. Was it always yeah, something you knew you wanted to do? Yeah. You know, she probably planted the seeds and subliminally led me down the path to, you know, fulfilling her dreams. But, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, I always had that. And, you know, I, I didn't really ever, um, you know, I thought it would be very difficult. And I, you know, coming from Canada, you know, it's not Hollywood and there isn't such a natural, you know, path that one would take. I didn't know anybody. My family didn't know anybody in that world because, you know, my mother had left that. She she she, she never pursued it. Um, she never graduated. Actually, she got kicked out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a story there. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, but um, so so, anyways, uh, the 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 I you know at some point I thought, well, I should be a lawyer. You know, like that's what I was sort of interested in law and history and philosophy mm -hmm. and all that stuff and. You know, uh, it was too difficult to try to get into film, and uh, it was my hobby. And back then, I thought, well, you know what? It's a hobby. It's fantastic. You know, uh, it's great to have a hobby. Um, I really love it. And would I want to be paid for it? Oh my God, that could be awful. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then uh, so slowly it kind of evolved, and uh, I started making little films, and people started to pay me, and then they just got bigger and bigger. And then I traveled to Los Angeles because of it, and you know, just connections wow. made. And but, what was your what was your first foot into the the Los Angeles doors? I mean, I, I did an experimental feature. Like I got into theater. That was my, you know, while I was making my short films, there was, you know, opportunities to do drama and, you know, sort of flex your dramatic muscles uh, in theater. And I played around with that. And there was lots of support, like there was lots of government support for theater. And um, so I had a friend who was my partner at the time. Uh, we developed a bunch of theater things and he got, he's the one that wrote the grants and he got some good grant money. And one of those 
plays we turned into a movie um which got us some notice and then oh we gotta we gotta sell this thing you know where do they buy movies oh we gotta go to you know hollywood wow. <laughs> so uh that started it all you know so yeah. i'd say since 1976 77 yeah, maybe at 78 kind of you know that's when i started to go to los angeles to pitch things and at the same time i was involved in music uh sort of the punk scene and uh, you know we're trying to put together a, a show that would tour north america we had like uh this band that i was sort of involved with called the vile tones and the ramones and teenage head we were going to bring them to um los angeles but you know they were just a little too far behind uh. the day they were saying oh that stuff's that that's not gonna last that's just a little short little fad it's you know it's it's too grotesque people aren't you know it's repugnant people aren't interested in that <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> and, uh, at the same time we were selling our movie and you know learned a lot about the business uh had a chance to meet with roger corman he liked our film he just said hey you know it's not exactly for me but uh you know he, he put us on to some other people and that one thing led to another eventually we were able to sell it and sort of cover the money that we had spent on it so yeah. just broke even with it but it's very experimental i mean it's uh, it's pretty strange yeah. to, yeah. to break even to break even on something experimental is very impressive yeah, um, yeah. Break well, even almost, okay well we almost made it for nothing because we took the, the theater stage play that was financed basically mm -hmm. and, you know, that kind of uh you know was subsidized we took that and turned it into a movie uh using friends and favors and you know it was crazy <laughs> i think we spent about five thousand cash to get it in the can uh, back just then. making it work uh, yeah yeah and then uh we had a, a an investor come in who saw the film he was an artist like a neon artist who had money and he put up uh, about 20 grand i think so 30 to finish it and then we we made back that 30 basically you know with vhs sales and things like that that's, so, you know it got, it, and it, it had a little bit of a theatrical even in in different places you know and it mm -hmm. played a little bit festivals i didn't know that much about film distribution back then mm -hmm. but uh we learned a lot from you know trying to promote it we didn't promote it enough i don't think you know i don't know if we entered it in enough festivals like nowadays people enter in hundreds of festivals yeah, <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I might have entered it in like five different festivals it played in two you know things like that yeah. yeah that's what we do live in an age where it's much easier to get your stuff out there i mean mm -hmm. this this podcast itself is a kind of testament to yeah. that so mm -hmm. um the fact that you you broke even on a, a film in the 70s is is awesome especially yeah. for, your, for your first kind of venture into that yeah i actually i read somewhere that you were offered a nightmare on elm street for dream master oh, that was that was much later that was after the gate yeah yeah after i madman when i was finishing i madman that's when that came up but um, that was uh, just you know like like I think it says in the trivia whatever the lore they said well we, you know we're going to shoot in a month or something and I'm going oh man like the crazy amount of effects like there's mm -hmm. no way that I could prepare that you know like you guys should mm -hmm. delay the show um, and of course they didn't hire me but they <laughs> hired a different guy mm. same thing happened but they delayed it like for months you know like oh, they pushed the production like 
that's where I learned, oh man, just say yes. Right, yeah. <laughs> and then delay the production. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Things will work out, you know, like they'll, they're not gonna, they're not crazy. They're not gonna, you know. Yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. the, the hat's off to you for the, the effects and the gate. Like, mm -hmm. cause I was sitting and I, I actually, one of the guys that works with us when we're doing any kind of projects, he, he works and he does a lot of stop motion stuff. Yeah. And uh -huh. he, he was looking at the, the scene with the minions and he was like, is that stop motion? But then we kind of, and uh, you, you can answer this for us, but I was like, that's not stop motion. That's dudes in suits because the, the way they moved was far too human, like to be <laughs> stop motion. The idea of all the effects is like, we used an encyclopedia of effects, mm -hmm. rotating mm -hmm. each gag, the technique of each gag, just to keep it, you know, so you, well, you think you got to figure it out. Well, you don't, you know? Yeah. So and, uh, so Randy Cook, our sort of uh, our, our uh, special effects maven that we had, you know, he, he was really the, the brilliance behind all that stuff. Mm. Yeah. I mean, one, one shot in particular where the the worker man falls over and, and then just turns into the, the minions. I mean, that, I mean, for the, I mean, this, this was, what, was it 1986? That, yeah. that shot is seamless. It, yeah. It, it, it looks, it looks fantastic even now. Um, yeah. And the, I think there was, was there a lot of forced perspective work as well? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Do you know that magazine Cinefix? You know, uh, no, like we probably magazine. should. It's a special <laughs> effects magazine. I think they're still around. Cinefix, uh, mm. and there is a special issue that has a chapter on all the details. Wow. Right, Cinefix. Like, yeah, Cinefix. Uh, I think you could find it in their index or something. You know, it's pretty detailed. You can really see a big story about how it was all put together. Um, a lot of it was. You know, it took a lot of production design, like building these huge sets where the force perspective could work, and people were playing the little minions. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what what was the? I mean, those big sets. I'm assuming aren't aren't particularly inexpensive. I mean, what what was the the budget on the film? Can you remember? It was three and a half million. Three and a half million. That is considered a low budget, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. back then, you know, kind yeah. of a you know relative like we had a lot you know we had studio we had like i think it was 20 days to shoot we had set building you know we brought people from all over to put it together for us you know there was, there was some money mm -hmm. you know but but it wasn't a big budget at all you know i mean kudos I mean, to what maybe, you managed to do with it yeah maybe today it would be the equivalent of you know eight or something like that you know eight yeah, or eight. nine yeah yeah eight twelve something something like that but yeah i mean sometimes you, you look at a film now with a 12 million dollar budget and it it looks like shit there's there's no the, the money just disappears so yeah. to do what you did with that with that money is really impressive and one thing now this is something that i've discussed it a few times with people um there's a, there's a certain shot um where they're looking into the gate or i think it's covered with the the other gate <laughs> yeah yeah um, a, a little wooden uh structure yeah, pull over. yeah and you can see this there's light coming through now this light is a, a sort of pinkish purple color that mm -hmm. you don't see enough anymore i love mm -hmm. anytime i see that color it takes me back to my childhood it was in all the movies back then it was this it was the color yeah. the dark crystal was that color yeah. <laughs> right 
Now, I seen that colour appear in a movie the other day and it actually brought a tear to my eye. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, in, it's in The Rock's new movie, Jungle Cruise. Jungle Cruise. That, that colour showed up and I, I actually got a tear in my eye. It's, 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 so, it's so nostalgic and I was so happy to see it in the gate again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I absolutely love it. It's, uh, it's Again, but one of the reasons we love to go back and watch the gate is it does have a lot of stuff on it you just don't see now. Everything's kind of moved on, and and as well, I was having this conversation with the, the, my friend that I watched it with. Everything nowadays is all just it's they're doing these effects that green screen and all the this the CGI, and there's nothing really a lot of stuff that you're watching. You just don't get a sense that it's. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? You just yeah. there's a sense there that you just don't feel. Is it artificial? Yeah. Thing that's happening you think you're in a video game kind of you know yeah mm-hmm. um it's another reality that we've come mm-hmm. to know back in the day i don't know it's just uh you know it feels like the physics are are, are sort of correct like you kind of relate to the physics of it all absolutely yeah. we, we remember we spoke to nick maley who was the guy that created yoda i don't know if you've ever worked with nick no. and uh he so he basically worked for the henson company so he's created all these amazing different puppets that he controls as well in the movies right. and uh he was saying that it's, it's an a, it's an actual shame that a lot of guys like him aren't getting the work anymore in hollywood and all these movies that that would benefit from that kind of thing you know yeah. like just being able to kind of have it there yeah i mean i, I remember the, the way he described it was if you look at if you look at yoda in like episode one with the cgi it it ta- it costs like six million dollars to make his face do that. It's a shame, it, and it's going to be a lost art soon. Um, I, I'm a, a huge fan of practical effects. I think CGI has its place, but I think CGI should be for for details, not for not for yeah. what's right in the, the front of the screen. So it's mm-hmm. again, this this film was just it, it harks back to the the good old days for me. Um, yeah. I mean, I remember as a kid finding it pretty scary. Right, I think it, it it did it did scare me at the right age, not six, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there's there were two things. Even I watched it again last night just to make sure I was I was on <laughs> on my game here. And there's two scenes that still actually make me go, "That's really horrible." And it's the worker man scene, or the first worker man scene when he comes out. That's that's horrific. And and it's also the one's appearance. Uh... Well, no, it's, well, no, it's, the workman takes the kid in the wall. Yeah, it takes yeah, the kid uh, in the wall. yeah. That, that's that's horrible. And then the, <laughs> the, the 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 scene where Terry comes back is that little ghoul with his big teeth. That I actually jumped. I laughed at myself. <laughs> I, I said to my wife, "I was I just shit myself a little." <laughs> Uh, so it still works. I'm a 36 year old man, and it still works. <laughs> the um, I, I read somewhere, and I think this is a fact. Actually, the original script for this movie was was quite darker, wasn't it? More Children of the Corn. Uh, maybe it had less of the humor that it had. I I don't know about the darkness. It was Not said that, that the it didn't have a spiritual darkness per se, or it was, I think. Maybe it was yeah. more of the um, the minions dragging neighbors out to the streets and killing them. Right. Well, yeah, maybe. more violence, more violence. Yeah. I don't know, you know. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, I can't remember the original all that much, but I, I, you know, 
there's a I, I had a feeling that you know like these producers they they really wanted something that was commercial and would tap into a kind of zeitgeist that was ever you know if there was one at the time mm -hmm. and I always felt that kids digging a hole in the backyard is really a children's kind of story or a you know a young youth story you know mm -hmm. um, and I thought that we should make it sort of appropriate for them you know as much as we can and yeah. uh, tone down some things, uh, maybe sharpen some other things, uh, worked on the humor, like the, the minions, they've got to be scary, but you're not sure, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you can see the dude at the bottom. It's almost like he's yeah. saying, hey, we come in peace. <laughs> yeah, PCs, yeah. PCs maybe. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's class that if you were to refer to, like I say, a scary minion, and everybody thinks of the wee despicable me minions, but this was our childhood's minions. Yeah, yeah minions yeah. changed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just just look at that thing in the bottom, in the bottom right hand corner. Yeah, that's that's not um, that's not pleasant. <laughs> no, no. The the scary parts for me was was the the whole the, and you notice this about 80s movies as well parents always used to just leave yeah and it was all right to leave your kids in the house and yeah. j-mac you actually text me he texts me the other night and he's like he's like i'm laughing my head off at the end of the gate everybody's sitting like everything is fine like ah this is great it's over now the house is absolutely trash <laughs> <laughs> Like that's just a, such an eighties thing, isn't it? House is absolutely trash, and everybody's like feeling great now that it's all over. I mean, I, rem I remember as a kid panicking if I'd spilt some some juice on the floor <laughs> and it was going to stain the carpet. That yeah. house was absolutely fucked. Oh yeah, <laughs> the sequel should the sequel should have been the parents arriving home and they're going, "You're never going to guess." <laughs> That's a good premise for another horror movie. <laughs> yeah. the, the gate three, the parents come home. <laughs> well, you know, the idea of abandonment is, you know, a very strong theme in the movie. Yeah. Um, and it's just reinforced like this whole over, sort of overall view that the parents are not really part of the story. Mm -hmm was sort of important to making it work and scary for kids, I think, or, you know, spooky. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, um, did, did you, did you work, um, with the, the writer to, to change things or did, did you pretty much make the film that was written? Did you add your own flair in places? Well, we, it's more like, you know, I added my own flair in places. Uh, you know, it was a great script to start with. Uh, it had good relationships in it. And, uh, one of the things that I brought, I guess, few of the things that I brought to the story and Michael and I, you know, we, we worked on it together. Uh, I wanted to do, I think the original investigation was in a library and, mm -hmm. um, the, the whole sort of heavy metal bat, you know, m backwards masking thing, you know, <laughs> some of my music background, you know, I kind of, uh, you know, I wanted to have something like that in it. And of course it's all bogus, you know, it's like Terry's all <laughs> confused about it. And um, the other thing too, I always felt that uh, having a sister, because I guess because I had a sister, so I felt having a sister somehow more uh, kind of opens up 
the sort of emotional floodgates, you know, like you can't really be part of her life when she separate, you know, she leaves you. There's no, you know, <clears throat> it's, it's difficult, difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, brother, you know, the big brother is, is it, is a different relationship, uh, to, to an extent, uh, sister might be more like a mother, but then you're being abandoned again. You know, it's like, so I don't know. I just felt it would be stronger if it was a sister and it'd mm -hmm. be more fun and interesting, less, uh, less testosterone, you know, maybe <laughs> <laughs> it still needs a balance, you know? <laughs> yeah. Then one of my favorite parts of the movie is when well there's two and it's the, the exact same lines being said of both of them you've been bad and it's when uh, Stephen Dorff grabs his dad's face and just it turns into like egg yolk and then it falls yeah. <laughs> that's disgusting by the way oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a horrible <laughs> effect I, I think uh, that um, and the, the, tele, the telephone effect yeah um, oh, yeah yeah yeah, the, that, the telephone effect reminded me of uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm assuming it was a similar technique yeah, that was yeah. used. Um, but the, the 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 face, tell us, can you tell us about that? Well, it was just a sculpted face that uh, Randy made, and then he, uh, you know, made a bag of guts, basically some strange <laughs> fruit, and you know, it was all you know, uh, trickery, uh, sleight of the hand, you know, kind yeah. of very fast. Because you know we never got a really good face that was filled with goo, so you know it was quick cuts and transition yeah. and drop a mess of stuff onto the ground that looks <laughs> like a face. You know. Dad, your face is fell off. Yeah, but I think the, the you know the mother laughing really kind of uh, makes yeah. it. Yeah, she was creepy. creepy. Very I, creepy, I, I like your own mother. Yeah, laughing at all this. Yeah, and then, you know the father with the missing face that like, whoa I, th I think when, when you watch this see that this is one of these movies that i mean i think at, at my age and and kevin's age ish if you were to watch it for the first time now it, it's one of these movies that you, you'd think right okay but if you put yourself in a kid's shoes yeah what watching that back in the day that, yeah yeah. yeah, that that's um that can be pretty scarring, man. I'm just happy we don't need to pay for psychotherapy over here. <laughs> Do you know what? Um, the, no, it's really cool, and this is a, this is very cleverly done. So props to yourself for this. But I was watching it with, like I said, with my friend uh, Scott the other day, and what's really cool is his first time watching it ever. And when Stephen Dorff goes outside, and they're like, "Hey, we're back," he said, "That's not his parents." <laughs> of course, knew that. He yeah. knew that before, so that's clever that the storytelling there. And it's just, the enchantment. It's the right? enchantment. There's, there's, there's an aura about the whole thing. He goes, that's he goes, what no. <laughs> I, I started laughing instantly when, it, when yeah. he said, that's not his parents. I was like, you don't know what's coming. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that line, you've been bad. I mean, was that on the script initially? I, you know, I think so, but I, I can't remember for sure. But it's my friend uh, who was in a punk rock band that I was producing. Uh -huh. He's the one that did the voice. For that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I imagine he's in a bar somewhere at some point telling people, yeah. you have in the gate. Yeah. <laughs> Do it again. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely brilliant. Um, so when you were on set, we've spoken to a lot of different producers and directors, and a lot of the time, most of the projects that they that they they do are positive. Sometimes there can be about a couple of snags. Was there any really stressful points for you where you were like, right, or was there really times where you were like, this is amazing, you know, this is the dream job, and that parallel was it all mainly one side or the other? 
Well, there, it's usually when you're working on a movie, it's all about, uh, it's full of grief and uh, how can I say compromise, you know, like the challenges that are being thrown at you are constantly pushing you here and there. Very, very stressful. That was a very stressful shoot for all the people involved, like myself and Randy. There was so much to do in such little time. But thank goodness for all the preparation. It's almost as if, you know, we, we had a blueprint and we were going through and executing that blueprint because we had so much time to prepare. I don't know if you know that story that we were supposed to like start shooting in like October or November and the thing got delayed by six months mm. just uh, okay. by some financial stuff. And they kept us on. And so Randy and I prepared and just basically worked out every single thing that we were going to do. And that, that's what I think is the key to the success of the movie and the, the, its longevity even, you know, in the quality that was able to be put into it because it was planned perfectly and then executed, you know, as, as, as well as we could. But there was good planning behind it. Mm -hmm. It's definitely one of those, like you, you, you can say, oh, go watch these movies from the 80s. And sometimes you can watch them like now and be like, right, uh, maybe in the 80s. But the gate is, is still it holds up. Like, yeah, it created I, its own universe, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I absolutely mm -hmm. like see if the gate was to become like a new Amazon original series where even just in the same town with different characters, I would be all over that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it would be cool. Yeah, Kevin, you've just you've just shut up. This this can't go out live, right? This is this is a, a multi million dollar idea. Uh, well, but I really, I really, I think it would be, and and you know as well. I think it's called because, your things, isn't it? Right, <laughs> kind of. But no, I think with the the success of Stranger Things, there is one. Sorry, are, there's one thing that there's one thing that does date the movie, and it's Kelly Rowan's hair. Oh yeah, yeah. Some of the, yeah, some but, of the, yeah the hair, the makeup, but. <laughs> Also, you know, it, it gives it a kind of weird charm as well for me. When I watch it, you know, like, I don't know. If we yeah. had it more neutral, it would be kind of vanilla. It would have to have oh, been yeah. vanilla if it was more neutral. It's sort of the fun of, you know, it dates it, but what the hell, you know. I, yeah. I think I think what I mean to say is that it's the only thing that makes you realize it's the 80s. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you've got, it's, 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 she's almost got like a, it's like a, a reverse female mullet. You yeah, know? yeah. Because it's it's party at the front and business at the back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> business at the back. Yeah, I think I think it would be it'd be pretty awesome to kind of see that because the success of Stranger Things has people wanting more of that kind of thing. But yeah. that that enchantment, what you're what you're saying, uh, I think there's still room for more. For more, more I mean, I, I yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's what people haven't changed. They still need their enchantment. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, I think know, I don't know. If, uh, I don't know if video games are giving it to them. You know, but mm. some, of them are, some of them might be, you know. Mm. I, I know that for, for sure the TV series, there's not a lot of TV series. Maybe I, I would say Stranger Things is pretty much the only thing that kind of gives that. The new It movies had it, had that enchantment, the, you yeah. know, the, the remakes. Bit, yeah. Um, yeah. But like I say, there's not a lot of it out there, and I think people would be all, all, all over that. Um, so did you have any kind of real big challenges when it comes to making the movie obviously it was set back six months which you say obviously kind of gave you, well, you guys part, well just trying to do all of those effects in all mm -hmm. that time uh in the short time like 20 i think it's 20 
days at 22 days i can't remember exactly 23 uh-huh. maybe i don't know but it was it was a roller coaster and <laughs> the kids had to be in school you yeah. know and they're in the whole movie all the time it's like <laughs> to work the logistics of that out that was incredible uh-huh. and, you know, kudos to our first ad and all the people that uh, organized that but we had lots of doubles like body doubles uh, hand doubles uh, yes you know, splitting the time among the kids. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, you know, when you were over the shoulders, probably a double, you know, always. And then, or, yeah. you know, working logistics of that out. And then plus Randy needing the kids all, you know, for his shots at the same time that, you know, the kids are needed on the main set. So, and there's only certain, you know, very few hours that the kids could work. I can't remember. It was like six hours of tops in a day. That's, mm-hmm. you know, wow very <laughs> short um and i remember for randy it would take him a whole day well the way it was kind of organized was that we had had these huge elaborate sets he had a sound stage where they were building all that and he was sort of supervising that meanwhile i was doing the rest of the movie on location and in the other stage um, and whenever he would need the kids which is usually at the end of the day i could give him five minutes <laughs> we got five minutes we <laughs> run over to the other set and randy had this whole elaborate set all built and everything and uh, you know, lit and ready to go and plop the kids in shoot <laughs> and then suddenly they have to go to you know after they turn into pumpkins they got to go home it's like <laughs> five minutes five minutes and yeah. every almost every shot you see is really just a test it's not <laughs> really the finish you'd like to go back and you know refine it you know mm. the one one thing you said there was about the obviously having limited time with the the kids on set and using body doubles so over the shoulder shots was pretty much never the the actual uh, child yeah. actor is is that still common now i'm sure but yeah we it's, had a, we had a especially difficult time we had two cameras we're shooting film um mm. You know, celluloid's expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I think things are happening a little faster on sets these days. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. It's mm. you know it took a lot longer to to light. Uh, cameras were finicky, heavier, maybe you know you could say harder to yeah. move around. Um, they just the process was more elaborate. Did did you see something special in a, a young Stephen Dorff? Could you oh, see yeah. him? Yeah, we had, good we, had, we had massive uh, casting. We yeah. had a great casting director, Mary Gail Arts. She she uh, really combed North America looking for kids, and then you know we we did some screen tests in L.A. and you know Steve was really exceptional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has he stood, the, stood out. He has that little Elliot kind of yeah he's his own kind of elliot and i think yeah we we all related to elliot so (laughs) i mean you look at i mean he went on to i mean he was so charismatic and and things like obviously blade i mean playing playing the the main villain in blade i didn't even know it was the same guy until i (laughs) i think i think i watched the gate maybe six seven years ago 
And I seen the name come up at the start, Stephen Dorff. I was like, "Oh, who's who's he in this?" I was like, "Oh, it's the main kid." Yeah. <laughs> it just made me feel old as shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's critical. Do you keep yeah, in contact? Was, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit. You know, over the years, we said bumped into each other a few times. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he appreciates the the experience, and so do I. Uh, he was great to work with. He really was very adaptive you know adaptable he 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 was serious about what he was doing mm-hmm. he, you yeah. know when he was a kid he was really focused on it mm-hmm. uh, and then i had the help of uh, my friend carl cranes who was a kind of a coach for the kids so that when they were waiting for us which happens a lot on a movie set they would stay focused or you know they wouldn't get into mischief or whatever but they mm-hmm. would be concentrating on their parts and you know rehearsing or training or doing exercises stuff like that that also helped a lot keep uh-huh. the kids focused and they were all focused i think the performances from all the kids are really good yeah, yeah i mean yeah i really like lewis trip as well it is yeah. He's he's really good fun. And by the way, when I was watching it, remember to see the bit where he's kind of rocking out in his room, and then he puts the the thing yeah. over his. I was like, "Silence of the Lambs stole that shit." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely, it's um, it's it's quite the thing to to work with kids, but see to do a, a movie successfully and have kids be the lead. I think that gets kind of overlooked as well. Like like the very first um it remake was all kid cast do you find yeah. it hard like obviously you've done other many other movies since then where you're working with adult cast what was the, the difference obviously there's a clear difference but and and in, in contrast were the kids any harder to work with than the adults or do you find yeah, working with are, kids better? Yeah. i i don't know better or worse uh they all have their benefits and drawbacks you know mm-hmm. Uh, working with kids is is magical and you know they're they don't bring a lot of baggage uh they're very malleable uh they listen <laughs> uh, a little better than adults but then adults bring all this experience and you know mm-hmm. they can make your shitty dialogue look uh, amazing you know <laughs> or sound amazing i mean yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's like everything. Everything's got its, its pros and cons, I suppose. Absolutely, and I I enjoy working with either one. You know, like um, mm. I don't think I've ever I I can't think of any negative experiences that I've had. Even though, you know, some people were deemed difficult that I'd worked with, but I I never I never encountered that. You know. So there's the old Hollywood adage that it's like oh, I never work with kids and animals. Now kids and animals feature quite heavily, and. <laughs> Now, animals, yeah, animals are a different story. They're much harder to work with. But then again, it has to be, I think if you approach it in a way that the animal will do what it wants to do, you can have a general idea about what you, what we would like it to do, but then whatever it does, film it and then adapt your story to make it work. You know, the party scene. Yeah. The the party scene. I could have sworn that that was just filmed because. I mean, I've I've got a dog, and you, you just know when there's people in the house, yeah, the dog yeah. just can, the, the dog yeah. tries to pretend he's not there. Then all of a sudden, yeah. his face is in a bowl of chips. Yeah, yeah. and it, it just it felt it felt so organic. Um, <laughs> the, there's there's a piece of trivia on IMDb about the dog. Now I just need to oh, really? yeah, I need to run through this for a second because it, it I'm not quite sure if if I'm reading it correctly or if it's just bullshit. <laughs> um, 
It says, when Eric was supposed to carry the body of Angus around the garden to be buried, the actor struggled to carry it because of the weight. So set designer John Baker, or Backer, uh, brought it to a local taxidermist to have the organs removed to make it much lighter. That's not really true, no. That's on IMDB, dude. That's <laughs> somebody has to challenge some of this it. stuff. There's, there's a lot of weird stuff on there, but that's you know, it's part of the fun. <laughs> as, uh, as soon as I read that, I was like, <laughs> so they actually so used a dead dog, yeah, yeah. Just here, carry, carry. I know you're, you're getting, you're getting paid. We had a fake dead dog all the time. Yeah. I mean, I, I, as soon as I read that, I was like, that is bullshit. Even in the 80s, they didn't make young actors carry dead animals around. <laughs> That's God. just somebody trying to create some, you know, like, hey, look, I invented that. That's <laughs> People believe it. Um, I think uh, right now we're kind of seeing a, a bit of a a resurgence of like physical media, something that J-Mac and myself kind of look at. Um, yeah. And I've seen there are really, really cool versions of this. Would you ever be open to doing, you know, panel shows or something, something to kind of prop up the next really say it be a 4K? Because by the way, the picture on this was amazing. I was sitting there like, because I remember watching like a cassette version, <laughs> not like, but the, but the thing is, and this I maybe watched that about ten years ago, the cassette version, and I remember going, oh, it's it's not, it's not, it doesn't have. Yeah, visual... I, can, I, can, I can talk a little about that, I guess. Yeah, it, yeah. Uh, okay, so that that is a Lionsgate DVD. This, is that, is this one, um, yeah, Lionsgate, yeah. Okay, okay. So they hired uh, a colorist, a, a color time, you know, for the mm -hmm. doing the this transfer. Who had worked on the Godfather transfer? Mm. <laughs> that so, <would> do. <laughs> this guy, you know, he had an appreciation for doing a great job, and they allowed me to kind of tweak it a little because they wanted to keep the authentic '80s thing, mm -hmm. you know, by taking the negative and just doing a direct transfer and don't make too many adjustments. Yeah, but I felt that we have to think about what we remember not how it rates against effects mm -hmm. today so i cleaned up a few things just minor things that were too distracting that took you out mm. of the experience you know because wow. some yeah. of the matte lines became visible i don't know if that was the deterioration of the internet or whatever they were using but uh we did some color correction here and there mm. and he, I'm the the color timer had a lot of work to do just to make it a little bit smoother than it was. Yeah, you know, in the theater, there's a lot of like I would say, kind of the process of projecting it onto a dim screen. Uh, you know, gives it a kind of homogeneous quality. Like, and then when you, you know, do it at 4K or 2K. And you project it on your TV, which is like watching broken glass. You know, <laughs> really bright. You're going to see a lot of imperfections, and I think mm -hmm. we, you know, we, we were able to like tweak it a little so that it didn't have that distraction. Yeah, this there was an, an absolutely amazing job on this because a lot of the time we will buy Blu-rays and stuff, stuff like from ET yeah. and stuff, yeah. and 
sometimes you don't really notice how great the picture is. You don't really yeah. pay attention to that. But that is absolutely one I just I even said to my mate, I was like, wow, this was made in the 80s. I was like, look how good that is on this restoration. And um, yeah. we've got Marv Dogger 2 here says, fun movie. I have the Vestron Blu-ray. That's what this is. I mean, it was by yeah. Lionsgate, but Vestron have kind of put it out and yeah, made a nice know, we, we should give some credit to the original cinematographer. So mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, it's just one of those things. This for me, oh, sometimes like, I mean, I'm quite <laughs> bad for parting with money, but I was like, I'll definitely pay the, the 20 bucks for, uh, I say bucks, it's 20 pounds in the UK. I don't know what that is yeah. in dollars. It's over that's 20 about, pounds. That's about 26 dollars. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> for me, that's, for me, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to spend that. But when, when I seen it was Blu-ray and it was the gate, sometimes you've just got to, you just got to stretch it. And I'm absolutely happy that I did because it, it's, totally worth it um do you think and 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 for the rest of your career do you think there'll ever be a return to the gate obviously you got one and two but I, mean, could... I, I would like to see somebody doing it i guess uh you know not necessarily myself i've i mm -hmm. think i've put my two cents into it i would like to be involved in it uh but you know we'll have to see i don't know mm -hmm. It, I looks think, like, um, it feels like it's been my, you know, it's it's now mired in some kind of mm. issues with a film that was started but then not finished or something, you know, mm. like financed, so that the rights are kind of probably messed up or very expensive to try to get, you know, all that mm. kind of. Mm. Let's see. The, there's let's let's talk about a, a couple of things here about the film itself. Now the the eye in the hand. Now that <laughs> that image scared the absolute shit out of me. I forgot about that one. But it, it did when I was a kid. I remember having nightmares about it and then subsequently actually drawing eyeballs onto my hand during class and stuff. <laughs> and where did that come from? I mean, what, what did what did the demon do? What did what did he do? It touched him in his head. Well, I know, but it gave him a power. We had to somehow manifest it physically, I guess, you know, like it gave him insight or an extra sight a third eye you know we could have put it on his forehead but maybe that's too hokey you know <laughs> <laughs> that, no, that was messed crazy. up man that, that's that's another yeah. another little detail well, that when they uh i saw giant posters from malaysia i think uh the far east when they were the film was being shown they used that image as the uh, main poster right <laughs> Not the hand coming out like we have here, coming out of the ground. They use that yeah. hand with the eyeball in it. I saw a big rendition, like like you know, three story hand with an eyeball in it. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, and, and what was what was even more disturbing was when he fucking stabbed it. Yeah, but here's the thing: he stabbed it, and I, I could just I could feel the pain of stabbing an eyeball. I was like, nah, yeah, yeah. You, you, this this is going way too far for a six year old Kevin. <laughs> That's like you know a little bit of the Chian de Lou kind of vibe to it, you know, like the, the one thing surreal. Yeah. yeah, I would have a, I would have thought right. Every child wants superpowers. Why, why so quickly does he go to the glass and stab his own hand? I would have thought maybe he'd play about it because there's another movie in itself. A child gets superpowers and no adults around. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think I'd ever wipe my ass again. <laughs> <laughs> And that was an adult's hand, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that was Randy's hand, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah. And, and, and a great way to chat if anybody ever challenged that and says, hey, wait a minute, that's not Stephen Dorff's hand. It's like, well, of course, the demon gave him insight and a bigger hand. 
and more like we had the big yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's just uh, who, who knows, eh? Who knows the the possibilities of what he could have done with that insight? Yeah, and so the, de- the, it's like the, the demon, yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the the demon for me, like that was. I take it they done that as well, filming the that stop the guys motion. a lot. That is that is stop motion. Yeah, yeah well done. Well I knew. Done. I said to you in an initial phone call. I, mm. I said, ah, oh, I love this stuff with the 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 minions and the the, the kind of Ray Harryhausen stuff. And mm-hmm. and then I, it wasn't it wasn't until I got off the call and watched the film again. I was like, shit, those minions aren't stop motion. Something is. Yeah. There's something here that's stop motion, and it was it was the the demon. But that's good stop motion. I mean, that's yeah. that's advanced stuff. It's even got the, he breathes, and that was something yeah. that was forgotten a lot when it came to stop motion back in the day. You look at Jason and the Argonauts and stuff like that. Nothing yeah. breathes. That mm. demon actually it. took a breath. They were skeletons. There <laughs> <laughs> was many. There was a seven-headed snake thing, and uh, <laughs> tried to get me. <laughs> skeletons. They don't. Do you know the the really cool? It made me laugh as well. The is a stop motion when the rocket goes into the the chest. Yeah, and you just kind of see it open up and go in. It's yeah. like almost like play though. I love it. <laughs> Actually, that that's something that that has that. I think a lot of people, including myself, were kind of confused as to why why that rocket was able to kill this all powerful demon. Now, I think I have found an explanation for it somewhere, but I want you to run through it with us just to clarify it for anybody well, that, that wanted. the rocket was uh, a symbol of his relationship and his connection to his sister. Hmm. You know, she gave him the present that he wanted. You know, it was like a, a, a an emotional connection, yeah. and it, you know. In another movie, it would have been some sort of pendant, you know, with a heart in it. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> but this being, you know, a kids' movie and a, and a, you know, the rocket played into it. It's the rocket was a gift. It was like you know, the, the rocket's mentioned many times, source of mischief yeah. in the family, some controversy. She threw out the rocket, so it came to sort of symbolize this sort of separation between him and his sister. And he used that sort of the the this, you know the representation of that relationship, the emotional yeah. charge, the positive energy, and mm-hmm. that killed the monster, not dynamite or you know <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I say so it's it's like it's it's a symbol of kind of love and hope and and yeah. and connection. That's that's what destroys evil. At the end of the day, yeah, and it's like it's, the you know the exorcist kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm quite lucky. I mean, I've I've got a brother who's six years older than me, but he was always very very nice to me. I'm so I'm so lucky yeah. that I had that I had that really. I had the, the the relationship with my brother that that um that Glenn had with his sister. Um, I had that growing up, so I, I've always considered myself very lucky in that respect. That I had an older sibling who always, always had time for me, and uh, still does. So, thanks, man. <laughs> what was your explanation, J Mac? What was what was your thought when the rocket killed the demon? Well, I never really thought about it too much because I watched it when I was a kid, and I was just like, "All right, rocket, it, it got it, it got it in the heart." That's it. It was what what was in my mind. It, it must it must have shot it right in the heart. And uh, that kills anything. So, <laughs> evil doesn't have a heart, though, does it? Ah, shut up. Next one. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, the the legacy of the gate is 
if you're a horror fan and you're a fan of movies from the 80s you're, you're definitely going to know it uh, I, I did actually i was talking to someone recently who we know fairly well his name's gary smart he does a lot of um i don't know if you've heard of him but he he creates documentaries and he'll take um it, it, like he's making a robert england documentary he's making robodoc he does documentaries on like really great movies uh stuff like fright night and stuff and uh when i had messaged him about i said mate i says you know who tibor taka says right he's like straight away yeah man the gate <laughs> so so it's like there is a lot of us out here even though like the gate it's not something you see when you're scrolling netflix there's still a, a big fan base of that do you think that you know the the legacy of the gate is being a child and watching it and kind of carrying that through to adulthood or do you think it's just that much of a, a masterpiece that's kind of hard to forget I think it's a combination of those things. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I like to consider it a masterpiece, but, uh, you know, it, there's a lot of craft involved. Oh, uh, definitely. And, uh, you know, and it, it's also sort of uh, taps into, the story taps into our development as, you know, from childhood to adulthood. Mm -hmm. And then if it catches you at the right time, boy, you know, you're you're stuck in there. No. yeah yeah like like i said earlier that there were still scenes in it that i found unsettling even as as a, yeah. a, a six-year-old guy and actually one thing there was one scene that really stood out for the effects more than anything else and it was when terry had gone down the gate and yeah. uh he, he had he, he stamped on one of the one of the minions and it just started freaking oh, yeah. out but I, i'm assuming that there was uh there was like a that was a forced perspective shot and yeah. there was a, a there was his foot and then there was the other foot that was well, mechanized was, in some was, way maybe there was a giant foot yeah <laughs> it's, it looks amazing it, it, it really does. It, there's as a kid you 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 watch that and go that nah that's that's tiny dudes <laughs> um but Did even even that film darby o'gill and the little people say again sorry darby o'gill and the little people hmm Darby O'Gill and little people. It's a Disney film from the, I guess, the early sixties. Mm. That's the Sean Connery's first movie. That, <laughs> that, that, a Disney movie, and um, I guess that, he plays Darby. Uh, no, no, he he doesn't play Darby. Uh, ah. Another old character actor who's a pretty amazing. It's a great movie, and that that you know that was a lot of inspiration from that movie for The Gate, actually, for the effects in The Gate. And so, it's about leprechauns. So we are we are both massive movie fans and Scottish movie fans, and we've never heard of Sean Connery's first movie. Well, that, uh, <laughs> I feel like we've, we've betrayed ourselves. <laughs> the beauty of the film world. Yeah. Uh, you're constantly finding and discovering new things. You know, like mm. that. I, I, you know, this it's a treat waiting for you. <laughs> nice. I'm I'm gonna get hold of that. I'm getting hold of that. Um, yeah. Darby O'Gill and the Little People. Uh, there we go. We'll maybe do a watch along with that. We've been yeah. doing quite a few watch alongs recently. Um, so what's I can see here that you've got a, a few projects in pre-production. You've got Blowback, Roadkill, and Black Warrant. Um, is there anything you can kind of tell anyone, tell the audience? Well, uh, you know, I've always. Uh, you know, strive to dabble in many different genres. I, I just don't like to just do the same thing over and over again. So, yeah. 
you know, my example, my my heroes are all directors that have done, you know, a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, what the hell? I thought I'd turn this off. <laughs> well, that's okay. Sorry. See, if you answered that and went, you've been bad. I don't <laughs> yeah, like that. That, that, that could be you guys pulling the tank on me. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that would have been that would have been something. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a good that's a good thing. I'd have loved that. See if you if you're just uh, like oh, hold on a second guy and put it on loudspeaker, you've been <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, an opportunity missed. <laughs> yeah. What were we talking about before the bloody phone? You were, rang? you were saying about oh, how my career, like, yeah, being, yeah. Being, uh, diversified and, and, and trying to be uh, dabbling in a lot of different genres. I mean, uh, you know, this, there's, a, there's a director, Norman Jewison. Do you know who that is? Mm. I don't know. He's a Canadian guy. He was in Hollywood. He did a lot of different movies, a lot of different genres, comedies, serious dramas. That's the kind of career I would aspire to. I, I know that's almost like very difficult these days, mm. unless you're an auteur, you know. Uh, but uh, I, I, I just have fun, you know, and I get mm. to do a heist movie or a bank robbery movie, and then I get to do Christmas movies. Mm. Yeah. I said, you've you've done some good uh, kind of monster movies recently as well. I mean, spiders. yeah, a lot of spiders. Yeah, some spider yeah. stuff going on. Um, <laughs> I mean. Let, let's face it these these films without i, I don't mean it, I, i'm not going to cause offense but they're never going to win oscars but they're fucking fun you know yeah. that, that's what these movies they're they're made for fun yeah we mm -hmm. have a lot of fun making them and we had a lot of fun making the gate i mean you mm -hmm. know with all the trouble and everything that's what fun is really is when you're mm -hmm. challenged and you rise to the challenge get through it and you know oh my god mm -hmm. yeah. yeah you know your your work has actually been a huge part of my childhood not just for the gate because when i grew up after watching the game from being six year old, I then like binged Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Oh yeah, like, that was that was a daily thing for me. Crush. Absolutely. <laughs> Salem the cat was 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 the best. But man, like in the UK, like that for us was it's a big series around the world. Actually, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, absolutely. It was. It, we and watched seen, it every day. You've seen the movie, the original movie that the series. Yeah, on. yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I, I actually yeah. haven't. Well, you should I, check it out. I think it's. It's enchanting. It's yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Has it got that? Has it got that pink purple stuff in it? If it's not got the pink purple stuff, I'm Mate, not. Watching. It comes from her finger. <laughs> it comes from her finger. <laughs> Heather Dow says there, there might be a moment. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it'd be. We do a lot of conventions when we go and cover it. Uh, we do com convention coverage, and uh, Melissa Joan Hart is there quite often. So it'd be pretty cool to say that we've had this conversation next time we see him. Do you ever yeah. catch up with any of the guys from Sabrina the Teenage Witch? Uh, I've talked to her over the years. We had some. We tried to do some projects together. You know, mm -hmm. they never quite came together. But you know, she's great to work with and very, mm -hmm. uh, very talented. I think and, and smart. Um, and her mother Paula Hart is the producer. Also, mm -hmm. you know. Wow, and they've uh, you know they've managed to sort of keep things going, and they're they're very busy these days. And I think Melissa's directing now, which I I told her right from the beginning. I said, you know, when she was a kid, I said, hey, you should get interested in behind the camera, because mm -hmm. I, I had a feeling about her that she's she wasn't just a performer. You know, she yeah. she, she's uh, pretty smart, and mm. you know, she's got the the aptitude for being a director. I felt that. 
Yeah, yeah. She, she's yeah. definitely talented, and she was a big part of our childhood. Did you catch the Sabrina series on Netflix? Oh, yeah, I caught, I caught a few episodes of that, yeah. You like it? That's all right, you know. It's like, <laughs> you know, like, but who would have thought, you know, and I think, I think someone proposed um, that the, uh, to me, that the, the universe, the Archie Comics universe, mm -hmm. um, what was the name of the other series? Was it uh, what was it called? Archie or the, the there was another series before that, wasn't it? With Jughead and everybody, what was that called? Before uh, Sabrina, Sabrina is a spin off of that other, you know. The, the, the Archie thing is, is, is very American, right? Yeah, but yeah, I, I'm sure I, I, I do know the answer to this. It's in oh, here somewhere. Oh, the town, yeah, the name of the town. Uh, oh, what's the name <sighs> of the town in Archie Comics? Uh, Anyways, anybody in the comments? Yeah. So that was a, it was a series based on that and the, the spinoff. I think you know the Archie Comics people are really so, you know they really sort of have tight reins on and, and are mm -hmm. very clever in the way they uh, 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 you know. Sh allow people to make these movies uh, how they share their uh, how, how they how they monetize the rights you know with mm -hmm. the certain characters and they're able to hang on to everything and control it and it was uh, i think it was insightful of them i don't know who convinced them to do the dark version which is pretty cool but i think it's in the zeitgeist it's the modern times it's like that's what people that's what young people are interested in is the sort of darker aspect of mm -hmm. the I mean, you could never do the the, I, uh, I I promise I, I didn't just Google this, but it's Riverdale. Riverdale, Riverdale, Riverdale. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah didn't uh, Google it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, yeah. For, uh, I enjoyed the new Sabrina, kind of. I didn't like that the aunt, the, the aunties were quite horrible and stuff. I yeah. just, and I think that's because I'm biased because I grew up watching Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I just, uh, yeah. it needed to be it needed to be similar to what i knew but taken down a darker path but uh, for me it was just it was too far people were getting their throats cut i was like oh <laughs> <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> and as much as i thought i'd like that i really don't <laughs> not when it comes to sabrina she should be yeah. using her powers to change her outfit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> Ding. Um, <laughs> change, change my outfit and post. Guys, I gotta move all on. Right. I have to do a, a, a music spotting session for the next movie, which oh, nice. starts uh, not at my place, but I have to drive there. <laughs> yeah, it sounds fun. So uh, it's been absolutely great speaking to you, yeah. Tibor. Can't thank you enough well, thank for, you for for your time. Out. Hey. Yeah, keep Our in touch pleasure. as well. We, this, this we could this could be a whole series of fun. You never know. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and your next projects as well. If you want to come on and talk about them, as many people that will be enjoying this show that will be loving to hear about it. So all we got to say is thanks very much for that, Tibor, right. and you are welcome on the show anytime, mate. Okay, it's been an absolute pleasure. Okay, thanks very much, Thank Tibor. Likewise. Thanks again. Bye bye. Thanks Thank again. You. Before we go, J Mac, there is an announcement for our next episode. And our next episode is going to be a really, really big one for us. Uh, one of my favorite movies, aside from The Gate. Um, we have <laughs> a, a really, really big producer from Hollywood coming on to talk about one of my favorite movies. So in closing, uh, again, guys, go and check out Tibor's other work and make sure you follow him on social media. J-Mac done it. Don't call him. 
<laughs> don't just randomly call him or, or do if you have a podcast because it works out perfect for you <laughs> but only but, if you um, look like Ron fucking Perlman <laughs> <laughs> uh, again again huge thanks to Tibor it's been an absolute pleasure and I never thought Thank I'd be you. able Thank to you. do that so absolute pleasure so we will leave you with this wee video to, to let you know of our next guest on the Jibber Jabber podcast thanks guys it's been a pleasure